Good morning again, everyone. Thank you for joining us as we not only celebrate Easter, but celebrate so many in our community who are moving forward in some wonderful ways. i uh, just really grateful for that and grateful for you being here. So now that all the festivities are out of the way, we can get to work. No, I'm kidding. Um, so today as we are here on this Easter day, I've been reflecting on this passage for maybe a month now, and as we think about Easter and the cross, I, I want to, yeah, bring it forth for today. And so our focus today, we're going to be looking at um, the cross of Jesus, right? But we're also going to be looking at our cross. Remember he says, you know, we, we pick up our cross and we walk with it daily. And so we're going to be looking at that through the lens of 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Now, we, we often look at kind of the, this whole chapter. It's, it's used in a lot of ceremonies. But there's something that's, that, that always stuck out to me about this passage. In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, you can grab your Bibles or your phones if you have them. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This poetic statement by Paul can only be exemplified and and made present for us as we look at the cross, the ultimate expression and act of love for all of us. Whether we follow Christ or not, Jesus did it for all of us. And we have here this, this act that, that demonstrates this love. And so it says in the beginning that love bears all things. And in this, in, in, in this love that bears all things, we have here, as we see in Jesus, this, this circle of pursuit, an endless pursuit that he has for all of us. And so when I look at the cross, and I think about this idea of bearing all things, of Jesus bearing all things, the first thing that comes to mind for me is all the accusations hurled his way prior to his death. I mean, the things that they called him, the names that they called him, the mocking. Like, oh, if you were the son of God, take yourself down there. You ain't nobody. Oh, look at here, the king of the Jews with your crown of thorns. I mean, that, that's a lot to endure. That incessant mocking and those accusations about who he was and, and who he wasn't. And what I love about what, what Jesus said is that he never, he never defended himself. And this act of love, he didn't find the need to defend himself. He bared the accusations and he bared the mocking. He bared the spits in the face. He bared the insults. He bared the sour grapes, literally sour grapes, because of his love for us. That's pretty remarkable. And so when Jesus calls us to to pick up our cross and walk with him, what comes to mind is a little bit early in 1 Corinthians, we find ourselves in the middle of a story. Uh, the, the, um, the passage is in the story, but, the, but there's a story going on within this church community. 
And so we see here in verse, uh, verse 12 of chapter 9, it says, If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. We put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. So what's happening here, there's, there's some accusations being thrown at Paul and a couple of the other apostles and, and some other people, that, that, some other leaders of the church. They're, they're throwing some accusations at him. And they're like, you're only doing this for the money, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and Paul's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Technically, so this thing, Paul was a lawyer. So like, just don't argue with a lawyer. My friend Tina's a lawyer. And every time we get into an argument, she just wins. It's just like, it's not fair. Like, you just, you can't win an argument with a lawyer. Um, so Paul's a theologian, he's a scholar, but, you know, he's also a, a, a lawyer. And so he was like, listen, technically, as a minister of the gospel, as a leader of this church, what I'm, um, I, can, I can ask for, this, for you to give me this thing, but I'm not going to. I'd rather give up this compensation. I'd rather give up this provision that I need rather than get in the way of the gospel. The gospel is more important than all of these other things. So I will put up with all this other stuff. I'll go work a second job because of all these accusations thrown at me. I don't want to get in the way of hindering the gospel of Christ. And so as we think about when we're carrying our cross, we have to think about it in two ways. We carry our cross every day in two ways, to love God and to love others. And so as we think about, okay, every day Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, and not following of him, we are loving God and loving others. And, and as we love God, we love God by removing every obstacle to the gospel. And sometimes that's ourselves, if we're honest, right? Sometimes we get in the way of people accessing the gospel. Sometimes we have our own things like, oh, this is what it should be. This is what you're supposed to do. And in that process, we get in the way of the gospel. So instead, here, we're, we're being exhorted to say, like, you know what? No, it doesn't matter what should be. It doesn't matter what's supposed to happen. All that matters is the gospel. All that matters is the cross. So I'm going to do whatever I got to do. I'm going to put up with, which is what this word literally means in Greek, I'm going to put up with whatever I need to to get out of the way of the gospel. And so with the cross and our carrying cross, we love God and we love others. And so as we bear all things, we love others and, and, we, and by, by actually, we, we realize we don't have to defend God. We love God by not defending him, but by, by being loving to others. Right, like now more than ever, it feels like we got to defend God. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? Um, but we don't have to do that. Like, Jesus did not defend himself. He didn't find it necessary to defend who he was or what he did. God can take a lot. And so one of the things we can do to carry our cause is to begin to have this, this orientation shift, this shift in our heart saying, I don't, as the accusations come, as the mocking comes, you're like, that's okay. I'm, I'm going to bear this, and I'm going to love you anyway. And it's not going to be any harder than Jesus loving me. It's gonna, it was a lot harder for Jesus to love me, it feels like, than it is for me to love you no matter where you are. 
Now, but there have been many times where I've been accused of something that I didn't do. Do you know how that feels? Like, it just, it feels so bad. She knows how I feel. Like, I think about it, and, and, and as, as, as I think about it all the time, like, I'm like, Lord, this isn't right. This is not right. They're wrong about this. I didn't do this. I need you to make this right. I need somebody to make this right. I need somebody to fix this because it's not right. That's not who I am. That's not the truth. And it hurts. And I remember one time praying about that, and I happened to happen upon this scripture that morning of Jesus on trial. He's like, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. And maybe it won't get made right, but you can still love others. You can still bear this. And you don't have to worry because at some point, the truth will remain. Y'all with me so far? All right. So love bears all things, and, and love believes all things. John 20, verse 30 to 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That by believing you may have life in his name. And so we have here this pretty unfair equation. His death means our life. And so we see in, in this First Corinthians passage that, that, that love believes all things. And in the context of this passage, when it's talking about believing all things, it's talking about like believing in God, trusting in God. That, that is an act of love. Now, in the world, right, and and even in our community, you're like, I'm not, some people are like, I'm not going to just automatically trust someone, right? If you haven't shown me that you're trustworthy, I'm not going to automatically trust you. You need to, like, show me that you're trustworthy. That's fair. And it says here, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so Jesus is like, hey, trusting and believing in me is based on what I've done. Like, these are written down so that, you, so that you can believe. And some, like our brother Thomas, even after that, still like, I, mm, I don't actually believe still yet. You know, some are like, I mean, I see it written in the book, but how do I know it's real? Why would I, why would I believe in Jesus when I haven't seen that in my own life? It's a fair question. And so just like you would want someone to like show they are trustworthy before you begin to trust them, what the cross demonstrates is Jesus saying, hey, look, I'm trustworthy. For you who I didn't even know, I died for you. And so let's give it a shot. Just like try out trusting, try out believing and see what happens. 
The interesting thing is that, that Jesus doesn't ask us to believe without demonstrating first his love. And so the cross seemed to be the end, but it was actually the beginning. It was for us new life. It was for us an opportunity to say, okay, I will trust. I'm going to take a chance here because someone took a chance on me. I know often, so when I uh, used to uh, run this company, I used to have interns. I, I love working with interns. And, but, but it's risky because when you're like doing work for clients and you have interns working for you, like it can, it can mess you up if like, if they end up not doing their work because they're 19, and, <laughs> right? And you're like, mm, see, but I thought we talked about this for like two hours. You still didn't do it? Okay, cool, right? But like, you're taking a risk doing that. But someone took a risk on me when I was 15. They let me intern with them. They let me move the very expensive faders on, <laughs> in the studio and, and work on these, 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 these fancy things. They took a chance on me. And that experience, it didn't obligate me to do the same for others. It, it created this desire for me to do the same for others. We believe and we trust and we seek out that trust because the cross invites us to. It's like, what else I got to do? <laughs> Jesus says, right? He said to Thomas, hey, here's the hole. Because Thomas was like, I ain't going to believe it unless I put the hole in his side where he got stabbed, unless I see the thorns in his head, like, you ain't going to convince me. Thomas is not the only personality type that, that, that thinks like that. There are many Thomases among us, myself included, right, at times, where you're like, nah, I, I actually don't trust. <laughs> and Jesus comes and he says, okay. He doesn't come and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I did all this stuff for you and you still don't believe me? That's how I would respond. <laughs> but Jesus' response is like, hey, no, here, here, touch the wound. Touch the thorn. Believe me. Trust me. And that same love, that same generosity, that same graces that he had for Thomas, he has for us. And so in the exchange of, of Jesus loving us through the cross and loving us with, with his patience as we learn to love him, we continue to pursue our trust and belief in him, even when it seems like there's no reason to. But we have a reason. He did it 2,000 years ago. Ish. This becomes really hard as we think about, like, when it comes to, to, to trusting in God. There's a time, and some of you have gotten there yet. Some of you have gotten through it and passed it somewhere. I would imagine are there now. There's a time when we come to faith where we really start questioning things. Like you've been a Christian for a long time, and then you're like, I have, I have questions. <laughs> Something doesn't feel right. Something doesn't add up. That's actually an important stage 
of Christianity. Often in this stage, there's silence, there's confusion, there's desolation. And so when we say, I, I'm struggling right now, that this love that believes all things says, I'm going to trust in your love in the silence. I'm going to trust in your love in the confusion. I'm going to trust in your love in the desolation. Trusting in and believing in God's love is something I've had to learn over and over again. So many times in my life, I've been like, I don't understand this. But the only thing I can hold on to is your love for me. And I know that's real, so that's what I'm going to go with, and that's all I got right now. And that's enough. It's, it's, it's those desolate times where we actually find the most growth that bring us to the next part of our faith. But we have to give space for that, and we have to say, I may not hold on to a lot of things, but you I will hold on to. And so as we think about loving others, and as we like this love that believes all things, this love that is going to trust in God, we're trusting in God's work in that other person, in others, right? I imagine someone comes to mind, you're like, I really need to trust God with this person, because <laughs> right now I'm not seeing anything, and I'm really worried, and either I'm really worried or I'm really mad, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so what does it mean to trust in God's work in them? that like our prayers for them is like a belief that God is going to move in their lives? What does it mean to, uh, to, 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 to believe all things by trusting in the image of God in another person? And another person who we disagree wholeheartedly with, and another person that is completely against our values, and another person who can be complete in a completely different religion... And we say, I trust that that person is made in the image of God. And what the cross teaches me is to bear all things, but to believe all things, and to believe that you are just as important to God as everyone else. And so how do I love you where you are? How do I meet you where you are? How do I learn from you as I seek to love you? The cross and us believing in all things has to give us hope for humanity. Now, if you watch the news a little bit in like the last couple of years, you might be losing a little hope for humanity, right? If we can, we can be honest, right? Just me? No, okay, 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 just me, all right, okay. It's easy to lose hope for humanity when we see all the messed up stuff we see. But when we think about the cross and we think about loving God and loving people, we can't help but have a hope for humanity. The cross is the foundation of our hope for humanity. That again, even when we can't see it, because normally we're not going to see it, God is moving. God is changing lives, changing hearts, changing entire groups of people 
and we can't even see it. Jesus was born in a podunk town in the middle of nowhere, and that's when the world began to change. No one saw it coming. And then, just as today, God is moving in this world. He was doing things. Amazing things are happening, and we don't always see it. And so we hold on to that belief. We hold on to the hope that God is doing something in this world. And love endures all things. Now, that's like, that's the one we really, I, I left that one for last. One, because it's like last in, in, the, in, the, in the phrase, but it's also like the hardest. <laughs> the love that endures all things. Now, before I get into this, um, there's a difference between loving others and, and sacrifice and, and, and persisting. There's a difference between that and allowing someone to abuse you, right? Like, that's not actually being loving. Allowing someone to manipulate and, and, and hurt you isn't actually a, a way of sacrifice and showing love. And often depending on so many factors that we can't get into right now, sometimes we believe that. Like, well, I have, to, I have to endure this in order to show love to this person, and that's just not what that means, okay? And so as we, as we dive into the section, and you're, like, struggling with that, I want you to kind of just, like, reach out because there, there are ways to, to love people without allowing them to, like, destroy you, Right? That's really important. And the other thing we're going to talk about is like sacrifice and obligation. There's a distinction there. And we're also, I also want to unpack that a little bit. And we're going to see that first in, in uh, John 12, verse 27 to 28. Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this, from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Now, we're getting towards the end here, and Jesus is like, mm, seems like it's going to be hard right now. <laughs> now, I read that passage really quickly, and I often read that passage quickly, but if I slow it down... There's actually a conversation taking place with Jesus and God before we see God speaking out loud. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Question mark. Like, pause there. There's no, like, time delineation in this passage, and so we have to, like, you, as we, if we read again through the lens of, like, having a conversation with God, think about, it like, our own lives, right? My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Like, sit with that for a second. Think about those times your soul has been troubled when you've had to make a decision, when you've had to endure something. And so he says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this very hour. Pause. Father, save, like, should I, say, I think I should say that. Father, I need you to save me from what's about to happen. No, 
after some more reflection and some more conversation, some more prayer. No, Jesus says, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. No, as a matter of fact, Father, glorify your name. That's a whole different way of seeing this passage. Of not just like this recited statement that Jesus prepared, but this ongoing anguish that he's experiencing and having this conversation with God that says, I'm struggling right now, Lord. Maybe, what should I do here? And we have this back and forth, which most of it we can't see. But this is more likely, this is more like what our lives are like with Christ. And so we see Jesus here struggling with this sacrifice that he's getting ready to make. But he could have said, he could have said, no, I'm I'm actually not going to do this. I changed my mind, right? This is what he could have said. But there's something going on in him because we're like, this is, this is Jesus who's God, but also man, right? So like the, the human part is struggling. And it's that human part that makes this sacrifice not out of obligation, but out of desire. Out of desire for the glory. Father, glorify your name. Out of the desire of the glory of God, he makes this sacrifice. He says, whoa, 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 no. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. So he makes this decision. He, 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 he steps out here. He makes these acts out of, the, out, out of the work that's happening in him. Out of who he is in God. And that's why when we talk about sacrifice, it is sacrifice. It is hard, but we we shift from like religious sacrifice, which says, I have to do this, to the sacrifice of the king, which says, I want to do this. So this is what it teaches us, right? And so as you think about taking up our cross and and, and how Jesus teaches us this, we know that we have to sacrifice in the same way, not obviously mounting up on a tree and the nails and stuff. We don't want to do that. But the emptying of ourselves, enduring the pain and the cost of pursuing God while reaping the glory of it. See, see in order to do this, it requires more than knowledge. The cross deposits within us the grace and power we need. Our devotion and connecting with God takes this grace and power and changes our heart to conform to his image, to his desires, and to his glory. But without that, without the grace and the power, without the devotion and the connecting to God, without him doing that work in us, sacrifice becomes an obligation. Many years ago, I had to sacrifice gluten in my diet. It was completely out of obligation. I did not want to do it. And let me tell you, when I first started, we didn't have all the stuff we got now for like gluten-free folks. People were still like learning about this. We didn't know. You go to the grocery store and you're like, everything has gluten. Somebody help me. 
This is not fair. I did not want to do that, but I had to stay alive. And now, over the last few years, I find myself with a different kind of sacrifice. A sacrifice of my time. Time with my wife, time with my son. That's a sacrifice I want to make. That's a sacrifice I'm happy to do every single time. That's a sacrifice that I'm meant to do, first and foremost, in the kingdom of God. These are the sacrifices that God calls us to. When he transforms us, the same power that was in Jesus, that raised him from the dead, lives in us. And that same power can transform us till we say, no, Father, don't save me for this very hour. It's for this very hour I came. Let's do this. And we can. And we do it joyfully. Sacrifice becomes willful. <coughs> Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with the perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. As we endure suffering, we can love God by reflecting on the suffering servant, knowing that the suffering will end, knowing that in that suffering, he's making us whole. The cross has a lot to say about suffering. And as we love God, he, he doesn't, let me make this super clear, he doesn't want us to suffer. That's why he came. But we still live in a broken world, an already not yet world that there is suffering. And with the cross, he's just like, hey, I, I know that suffering. I'm going to suffer with you. And just as I endured, you can endure too. And in your endurance is the love you have for me. That whole gluten thing, right? Well, it started um, a few months prior when I ended up one night uh, in the in the ER with unimaginable pain. And this this issue I had had basically stopped my body from making acid. And so my body was trying to digest unbroken down food. So it was a lot like passing several kidney stones. <laughs> And it happened over and over again. And I remember I was in the hospital and, you know, my heart's still in place and my brain is still in place. So, you know, I, they didn't get to me quickly. <laughs> and 
and I'm in the hospital bed, and I am just writhing in pain. And at that point, it had been three, four hours, and I'm like, I, I can't take more of this. And I look over, so I'm at Our Lady of the Lake, Roman Catholic Hospital. I look over, and I see a crucifix right above my head. Six hours. Six hours he hung. Okay, I can do a little bit more. He's here with me. He suffers with us. So as we close, I want to read one final passage, James 5. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And so as we look at loving others, we love others in their suffering. We don't try to explain it away. We're there with a minute. We pursue God by pursuing people with the same grace and strength that he's put in us. We pursue God because it said that he died so that we may have life. And he calls us to die to ourselves daily. And as we die to ourselves daily, those around us will have life. His death brings us life. Our death brings life to others. Our death brings us new life. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things.